Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I started a chat on my Substack that was said, why keep porn? Um, which turned into a much bigger conversation than I thought it would. I mean, that, those conversations always are controversial. So as I said, I'm not usually surprised by the kinds of responses that I get. Um, but I didn't expect it to be get this big yeah okay so i i wrote honest question why keep porn so many of society's worst problems are connected to or amplified by porn use and the porn industry from pedophilia to sexual assault to plain bad sex why not just make it illegal full stop and that angered very many people mostly men but not all men and ayla had a response to that that was based on your personal preference, but you're also, you've described yourself as a sex researcher now. So worker mm -hmm. researcher, and you have a different point of view. So I wanted to hear your point of view, both your points of view, and see how we can understand where you guys are coming at the same you know, phenomena from different perspectives. Yeah, um, I think I'm mostly just responding to like the, the men don't like this thing. Like sometimes people are like, ah, men don't like this. And I'm like, but I'm a woman. And I also agree with them. And so usually, usually it's just like stuff like that. And I'm like, I just wanted to like chime in as a data point that there's in fact, like women out there who it's not just 100% men. I mean, I know women that watch pornography. I know plenty of women that watch pornography. Um, I think they're kind of doing as much damage to themselves as men are. But I think we all know and all of the research will show that men are the primary consumers of pornography by far. Yeah, if you include erotica, it becomes like slightly more equal, but even if you include erotica, men still have like higher rates of like erotic content consumption. Erotica. I just actually did a, a really huge uh, survey on this. Like uh, right now we're at four, 480,000 responses and I asked about porn consumption rates and it's like disproportionately younger people, but the porn consumption rates didn't appear to change as people aged. So, except a little bit for women. And Megan, you said damaged. How, how, are, how are people damaged by porn? What well, by I that? think that people are obviously impacted by the media they watch. I think that if there are, having orgasms to specific kinds of like sex acts and imagery and scenarios. I think that it fuels that. I think that like you can have a fantasy inside your head, but then when you start connecting it to the dopamine rush that comes with pornography watching and the orgasms that you might have while you're watching pornography, it does reinforce that. And I believe that there is data that demonstrates that uh, men in particular, will seek out more and more extreme porn um, as the the porn that they started out with stops having the same impact, sort of in the same way that maybe a drug addiction might. Um, you start wanting the same high that you used to get, and so you seek out more and more and more. Ella, do, do you think of uh, pornography as uh, something like a substance? Like, an like to substance. some degree, but to some degree not. Um, like, uh, like my guess is that at least like so. I do a bunch of like interviews about people about their fetishes, and I also you know the research, etc. Anyway, the impression that I get from the research that I've done is that there's like um, people sort of have like buckets that they can like spend. So, for example, maybe you're really into incest stuff. Uh, and so you like watch a whole bunch of that stuff and it gets extreme. And then you get bored of that and you move into another bucket. But as you're like working on the other bucket, the original one fills back up. And so typically uh, like you kind of like cycle around. So the greater amount of pornography you watch, like the more buckets you can totally empty and like maybe the more you seek out, but then you still have like a cap. And I think the majority of people, uh, the majority of people's fetishes appear to be ingrained pretty significantly as in they're not impacted by childhood experiences. 
Um, They're ingrained as in like you're born with those fetishes? uh, To to some degree, like this is my guess, yeah. And like, I think that there are... Well, so this is my big question. This is why I got into it because I wanted, so I have like some like odd fetishes and I was like, I wonder what happened. Like, let's ask a whole bunch of people about their childhood and like, and then find uh, ask about their fetishes and see. And I've found surprisingly little correlation. I thought there would be more. But I think people aren't always honest or like aware of what happens to them in childhood, because even if you're thinking about things like, you know, if you're talking to a man, for example, about why he reacts in a certain way in a relationship, you know, like, why are you triggered when I try to talk to you about this or when I say this thing? He'll be like, I don't know. I just don't like it. Whereas for me, and I think for a lot of women who've done more therapy in their lives, I think that it's, you know, women are sort of more open to therapy and just, I'm just speaking from personal experience. Most of the women that I know have done therapy and most of the men that I know have not done therapy. So we've done a lot of like thinking about our triggers and, you know, why we're attracted to certain kinds of men, why we react or engage in certain ways in relationships, so on and so forth. And I find that a lot of men aren't really in touch with that. Like they haven't thought about like how their childhood impacted Mm -hmm. their current relationships and, uh, you know, how it impacts their triggers um yeah this is very true this is why i don't ask those questions in my surveys i'm very careful not to phrase it i'm very careful at the phrasing i'm just like in your childhood did a woman how often did women yell at you like that's an example so i don't i don't say did women yelling at you cause did like verbal abuse cause thing I, i just say did like women yelling at you and then later i ask what are you interested in so i'm careful to like it doesn't have to be like self reflection or narrativizing yeah, I mean, I, I my only pushback is on the idea that fetishes are innate because I think they mostly do come from some kind of experience or something that you see as maybe your sexuality is developing. Like as you're going through puberty, something interacts with your hard-on or your orgasm yeah. and then you develop a fetish around that and then you can sort of feed that through porn. You seek out sort of images and then you develop a fetish. Yeah, so to some degree, I think that this is true. But so, so my theory here is that there's like, um, like innate, like kind of dispositions, and then there's like encultured expressions of those. Like, for example, if you're like really uh, in a culture that like, uh, where women have to cover their entire bodies, and then you see a flash of an ankle, you might become like really fascinated by ankles, but you wouldn't be fascinated by ankles in a culture where like nobody's covering their ankles. But maybe in that culture, you're uh, fascinated by a flash of like the shoulder. So like the thing that you're interested in, like the inherent thing is you're going to be interested in like the flash of like the thing you're not supposed to see. But like the what it is in each culture is going to be different. So like, my guess is that there's something a little bit more ingrained about like some sort of base like orientation about your sexuality, but like the way this manifests is is very different depending on how you're in, uh, trained. But you might find this interesting. I found a very different results for trans people and cis people in regards to whether or not childhood impacts them. So like when I asked like cis men and women about their childhood and then about their fetishes, there was like basically no correlation. Um, but then when I asked trans people about their experiences in childhood and their fetishes, there was a much stronger correlation with sexual Well, that's abuse. because trans people all have fetishes. Well, the men in any case. Like a man transitions because he's autogynophilic, which is a fetish. There's so, the homosexual transsexuals too. Right. The younger guys who transition who are homosexual and maybe live in a homosexual culture, grew up in or sorry, a homophobic culture and grew up in a homophobic family that are transitioning because they think that maybe it'll be easier for them to fit in if they're a girl. But I think for the most part, most adult men who transition to become women have sexual fetishes, have a cross-dressing fetish, autogynophilia, so on and so forth. Uh, so I have a huge amount of data on this. Uh, and to, like, to some degree, this is true, and to some degree, not. Like I, like like a lot of these things, it's like kind of like, yes, and some, and then also kind of not. Like, I don't think that like autogynophilia fully explains it. I think there are trans people with autogynophilia for whom their transgenderism is, in fact, autogynophilic. And I think there's a lot for whom it isn't. I think there's like different modes of it, different like ways of expression. I think like there's like our culture has like, there's one thing called transgenderism. So everybody just sort of like applies that to themselves. Or I think as if I think we had a culture like positive things that were like, you can have, be like an autogynophilic trans person or a non-autogynophilic, but I think people- Well, what's a trans person? How are we defining what a trans person is? Yeah, somebody, I mean, who like wants to be perceived as the opposite gender. So somebody it's who's not- like mentally ill? Um, I- don't think that's necessarily mental illness. I also don't really think like mental illness is the important question here. 
Like, I don't really care if we call it mental illness or not. Yeah, I guess it's just hard for me to differentiate between trans people and cis people because I don't think those are real things. So people who identified as trans on my survey, we don't we don't have to come up with like the official definition. But on my survey, if you clicked a button saying that you're trans, you're more likely to click a button saying that you are uh, basically correlation with not saying that they have high. I actually haven't looked at it yet. Not saying that they do have absolute higher rates of sexual abuse in childhood, but that if they do, it is correlated with fetishes. So there's something about like the transgenderism in the brain that is more likely to cause sexual fetishes as a result of childhood experiences than there is if you're cis. And I don't really know how to interpret this. This is really confusing to me. Well, either way, I think that watching incest porn is disgusting and bad for the people watching it as well as for humanity. So I don't really care why they're watching it, to be honest. Bad how? Bad why? Well, I think that uh, incest, we can agree, is not something that one should engage in. And I think that if you're jacking off to incest porn, it's turning it into something that you want to engage in. Like it's reinforcing your fetish. Why is it bad to engage in it? Incest? Into like masturbating to like incest porn. Well, because I think that it fuels your fantasies and your desires to engage in incest. And I think that it probably normalizes that for you. Uh, so, so your claim is that people who masturbate to incest porn are much more likely to engage in incest. No, I just think that we shouldn't be promoting incest through having orgasms to incest. And I think that we could also argue that through like barely legal porn and jacking off to women who look like girls or may well be girls. I think that it fuels men's fantasies around having sex with girls, which I think in turn makes them want to have sex with girls and makes them more likely to predate on girls. So is your prediction that if men masturbate to like porn of younger girls, they're more likely to try to have sex with younger girls. I think in general, if we're normalizing, sexualizing girls, then we're normalizing men predating on girls. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm looking for like a concrete, like a lot of these are like theories, but like usually with theories, you want to find a concrete prediction. So your theory concretely predicts that if a man- Well, I think that the theory of men seeking out barely legal porn and the amount of men who look for child porn, even online- proves that there's a lot of men who are seeking out girls and underage women online to jack off to. And I think that we know that molestation and child abuse and sexual abuse and men predating on young girls or like young women to young women is a pretty big problem in our society. So I think that adding porn to that mix is for sure not helping and probably making it worse. So that's not, but that's not a, I'm I'm asking like about your concrete claim though. Like like usually if like I'm having a discussion with somebody You want me to like go and survey men and ask them if they're predating well, on teenagers? I doubt well, they're gonna admit to I mean the question is uh or like I was suggested to me by a friend is like like what kind of data would make you update your mind? Like change your mind. Like no if you data. Data, <laughs> I think it's um, bad for men to jack off to barely legal porn. I think it's bad for men to be having orgasms to images of girls who look like kids or teenagers. Oh, I don't think it's bad. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, I do. So is, I think it's good. Is, is the connection between uh, fantasy life and reality, is, is that what you guys are arguing? And, and if we put it in those terms, Megan, the question is, does having a, a sexual fantasy life bleed into your personal life or on a society level accepting fa- a fantasy life and indulging in people's fantasies? Does that bleed into in a harmful way to society. Well, I think that a thing can pop into your head. You can have a fantasy that exists in your mind. And if it's a dangerous fantasy, you know, if it's a violent fantasy, if it's an abusive fantasy, if it's a fantasy that crosses lines that uh, will end up in another person being traumatized, for example, um, I think it's a good idea to cut off those fantasies rather than 
dive in and start encouraging them by seeking out those images online or and or you know masturbating and having orgasms to those images and it, we should definitely stop watching violent movies then well i mean violent movies are not real people also like when we're watching pornography those are real people who are hentai? being gang banged are you down with like gang bang oh, hentai I shouldn't say that word. Sorry, Benjamin. That's okay. I take it back, YouTube. We'll roll it back. Are you down with like lots of people going like on one person, like in the cartoons? Yeah, cartoons. I mean, part of the problem with pornography is that they're real human beings, right? So you're watching like well, but, a real sure, man have sex with a real girl. So you're fine with cartoon. I'm not personally fine with cartoons, but I'm not going to go and try to, you know, like my idea, what I think is a possibility in terms of curbing pornography and curbing the abuse and exploitation of women and girls in pornography is that we treat it like prostitution. So you're paying someone else for sex acts. Um, so if we made it illegal, for example, to profit from prostitution, that would mean that men who ran porn companies um, would be criminalized. So, um, and that's because of the human aspect, because they're real women who are being paid to really have sex with these men. Um, so I wouldn't apply the same legislation to cartoons, for example. Okay. So if, if, if a woman... But I know, it's not like I think it's good. So if, but... if a woman uploads a... I'm really sorry about this. If a woman uploads a video of her um, having an orgasm onto the internet and it turns out to get a lot of views and somehow it's monetized or it's shared on a server somewhere, uh, who's criminalized in that act? How is that... How is that? How do you decriminalize or criminalize that? If, if well, a woman probably in that, that kind of situation, if she's just doing it, then there would be nobody to criminalize. Okay, but, but if there's I mean, an advertiser unless, uh, next to it, if somebody's making money... Oh, okay, the, so somebody's making money of the copy off of it. Of the copy, then the person yeah. profiting, not the woman herself, the person profiting. So, it, so any... Buddy running a server that has that uh, string of bits that that video feed on it will be criminalized because they're 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 exploiting. A, a I would be more inclined to go after the companies because I think that these guys are making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars off of abusing women, and they are abusing women. There's so much abuse that happens in the porn industry. Most of the women who are working in these industries, who are performing in these videos, have a background of like sexual abuse, sexual assault, they're dealing with addiction, they're dealing with mental health issues, they're being pressured all the time into doing sex acts that they didn't agree to do in their contracts or that they didn't intend to do when they went into the porn industry. I mean, that's how the porn industry works, right? Like you start out doing basic stuff and then you have to do more and more and more and more because you're no longer fresh meat. So you have to have something else that you can keep making money from. And then eventually you're used up and spat out. And it usually doesn't take very long to, for that to happen. Ayla, what's your, uh, what's your perspective on uh, green porn, uh, uh, cleaning up the industry, uh, marginalizing or squashing down as much of what Megan's uh, bringing up as possible? Yeah, I think people should be informed about what they're getting into fully and not pressured to do things they don't want to do. I'm like happy to have like changes to the porn industry, like culturally and possibly legally to make sure that people like know what they're getting into very clearly, uh, know the risks laid out before them are making like conscious adult choices uh, and are like totally free to make the choices they want. That sounds good. And yeah. I mean, I would be, I would be mostly inclined, as I said, to go after these huge companies, Pornhub. Um, I'm not actually, interested per se in targeting individual women who want to put images of themselves out on the internet. So as someone who's had a lot of porn of myself leaked on the internet where I didn't want it to be leaked, uh, Pornhub's actually been the best website for me for that. Other websites don't give a shit at all, but Pornhub pays me money and allows me, gives me control over the videos where I'm in them and allows me to take them down. Yeah, but they uh, also was, share a lot of like abuse and rape porn which and profit it, from it. That Actually, women I'm, didn't I'm, consent to having I'm, online, I'm, but also I'm the into other abuse end. and rape porn. I really like no, like actual porn. rape. Uh, and like I can't when find girls it on are Pornhub. actually being raped. 
those videos have gone on Pornhub and, and stayed up and Pornhub's made money off of it. Uh, it's, if you are into rape porn, the place you to go is not Pornhub. I will say that. Also, women prefer. Oh, great! I'm glad to hear there's all sorts of places on the internet that men can go to watch rape. There's, there's actually not. So, so women prefer more violent porn than men do. Uh, like pretty unambiguously. I don't think women that's what interested. that research says. I saw that there's an article on Vice that said, "Why are so many women searching for ultraviolet porn?" And it's not that it's that more women are seeking out violent porn because there's way, 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 way more men who are porn consumers. Totally, yeah. So more men are actually seeking out violent porn. But in as far as what women were seeking out, I think what their research says, and I didn't actually read the research. I just was reading this article. Um, it said that yeah. women were seeking out violent porn, which... But I did the research. I conducted a study on this and I have like the very exact rates, probably the largest study ever done in the world on this, hmm. uh, that it's not done from like scraping data on porn sites. Uh, and I found that women are more interested. So, so it depends on the kind. Of but who are you serving? About. You're serving porn users. Um, I, I surveyed a bunch of people and then I took only the porn users. But 93% of women reported watching any sort of porn or erotica in the last uh, year, I believe. Yeah. And 98% uh, of men did. So it's actually the majority of women. Vast Sorry, can you repeat that? The majority of women. The vast majority of women report that I surveyed. Uh, so to be fair, this is like internet people and they were disproportionately porn younger. watchers uh, the, the the they found my survey not through porn methods but rather through tiktok mainly mm -hmm. uh, a lot of i had a survey go viral so these are mostly normal people who have no idea who i am they have no pre like this they're not selected for contact with like pornography um, and to be fair they did watch women did watch a lot less porn and it was much more written but I asked people of the porn that you watch, which is 93% of women and 98% of men, what percent? 93% of what women? Like all women? The women that answered my survey. How many? Said, Who are these women? Where did they come from? 260,000 people, uh, majority of, of them. Okay, so of like what generation? Like Gen Z, millennials? But you, I also checked the older ages and there wasn't a significant difference in porn watching. Porn watching in women dropped off at around 40 years old. Um, I mean, I think like, anyway, I, like we're getting off into this other thing because it's not like I don't think that women don't watch porn, but I don't think that's good either. Like, I think that sure. women but or girls and boys are both export, exposed to porn, all of them when they're young. Like you can't avoid it, it's on the internet. So they're raised on porn. Sure. I still, I, we still know that men are the primary consumers of porn, regardless of your survey. Yeah. I mean, even they, Pornhub's like stats show that. Yeah, but when it comes to uh, both, what percentage of porn do you watch is violent? Women answered a higher percentage. And then when I didn't even ask about porn, I just asked about fantasies. Like, does this kind of scenario make you, is that erotic to you? Um, women were much more likely to say yes in regards to things that encountered stuff like strong power dynamics, bondage, violence, sadomasochism, brutality. Actually, not brutality. Men and women are like almost equal on that one. Uh, so, so when we're talking about like getting, violent porn, good because women consume it also. Like I don't understand. <laughs> this is a separate is question. Like we have the question of is violent porn good, but there's also like when we're talking about like porn on porn, I'm like ah, the men are watching. I'm like women. Women are the ones that disproportionately prefer. The violent porn, just to be clear. And so we can also talk about like, uh, and, and that's bad. This is another question. But I just wanted to establish that this is not like a thing that men are watching more than women are. It is like a as, thing that men are watching more than women are. There's no argument about the fact that way, 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 way more of porn consumers are men versus women. Yeah, I mean, Like it's something thing. like 80 to 90%. Yeah, you can look, you can read my data if you want. But even when we're not talking about porn use, I'm asking about what turns you on. And women are much more interested in the violent stuff. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so it's just so much more established. And now we can talk about like, is that, you know, good or bad? I, I personally think it's chill. I'm like really into violent stuff and I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, but like, so are you autistic? Like, I don't know. Like, is there some reason why you're so disconnected from violence and from other people's trauma? Uh, I don't think I'm disconnected from other people's trauma. I mean, we're talking about the like the amount of women who are abused and girls who are abused and exploited in pornography is immense. Most of them are not mentally stable. They're not healthy people. They have addiction. They have backgrounds in sexual abuse and molestation. The porn industry is a bad industry that predates on and abuses women and encourages men to believe that women enjoy abuse and violence. 
That's a bad thing for society. What you do and what you like is fine. That's fine. But that's not the majority of what's being consumed and profited from on the internet. Um, have, have you been on Pornhub? Is this very not violent? I was just recently trying to masturbate. Oh, sorry, I'm talking specific. I can't talk graphically because we're on YouTube. <laughs> uh, it's not on there <laughs> if you're looking. Uh, I don't I just, it just feels really disconnected from like my reality of like actively trying to find the stuff that you're talking about and having a really hard time finding it Is like it, regularly, like on other search. I was just like trying to, I was Googling what a uh, search browser can I use to look up rape porn? Is what I was saying. Nobody was fucking giving it to me. I'm like, wow, the internet has really purged this. It's really hard to find. Is there a reason or have you been able to discern why women uh, certain women, a certain amount of women, uh, receive erotic pleasure from violent erotic situations. Why would violence be mixed in with sexuality from a female, uh, psychology point of view? I think that in general, in our society, male dominance is eroticized. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Men are dominant. Men are aggressive. Men are stronger than women. And I think that a lot of, a lot of women like that. Um, and I think that female passivity is also eroticized. So it doesn't particularly surprise me that a woman would have a rape fantasy or would want to be choked. Um, that doesn't mean I think it's good. I don't think that that's what we should pursue all the time. And I think that it goes a step further when we're creating rape porn for people to masturbate to, for millions of people to masturbate to. With actresses I mean, I think we do, we do actually know that all men who are sex criminals are really, really into porn. And that they look at porn that matches their sexual fantasies that they play out in real life. Does their yeah. violence uh, come from the porn? Or does the porn just... No, I mean, I think they... Well, it, it's probably a combination of both. Like, they're psychopaths for some reason that I think would be probably pretty complex to understand. But it's definitely intensified and made into a reality via pornography, via them engaging with these fantasies and sort of fueling these fantasies through pornography. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ayla, what's your uh, take? Why is violence erotic? My guess is it's genetic. Um, my guess is that, like, historically men have been, like, pretty abusive towards women. Uh, or, like, like, kind of violent. Um, and probably my guess is there's some sort of evolutionary benefit in, like, responding to this, like, as in an erotic way. I mean, it also might be like correlated with the, like uh, just like men expressing like really aggressive dominance is more likely to survive. Like if you look at chimps, like chimp mating is horrific, uh, really, so really bad. And that's just like they they are genetically this way. It is their behaviors, their sexual behaviors, really ingrained into their brains. Uh, and so I wouldn't be shocked if there's something similar. And my evidence for this seems to be that like sexual abuse in childhood, violence, like the amount that you were abused in childhood, according to my data, doesn't really seem to impact the amount that you like um, violence as an adult sexually in my data. Well, then the question is, uh, or one question is, uh, to what extent does culture create a feedback on certain um, desirable and undesirable characteristics of our animal nature? And is pornography one lever that we are pushing to reinforce certain behaviors and that will result in a better society or worse society. And how can we treat pornography in the correct way? And Megan, you came out the gate saying we should give it up. And Ayla, you came out the gate saying, no, we shouldn't. So does it have a feedback loop in our society? Is it good for us? Is it bad for us? Is it, is it a McDonald's hamburger or is it just something natural that we just like to do as 
weird animals that can replicate. I think considering I all of the abuse that happens in the porno- porn industry, it's unequivocally a bad thing. Um, we have to talk about reality, not what we would like porn to be or what we imagine that it could be. Right now, there's a lot of abuse. Women are physically injured. They're mentally traumatized, emotionally traumatized. Again, pushed way past their limits. Um, Pushed to do things that they don't want to do. Pushed to do things that hurt them. Um, And I think that that in and of itself is a reason to criminalize the industry. Criminalist, okay. And Ayla, have you? I mean, have, what other industry are women like abused and raped that much? <laughs> not about rape, but like every single piece of technology. It happens, that we have but Jesus been... Christ, the porn industry is like. Look at how many women do you think are abused in prostitution? I would say all of them. I well, mean, Ayla, like have you, uh, it's it's part of the game. Ayla, what's You're your, having what's sex your take with on, strange men on on the psychological There's no aspect. accountability, Ayla. I mean, well, What's what's your perspective on the traumatic psychological aspect of the industry of pornography? And do you agree with Megan or not? And then what are the steps that you've seen taken to mitigate the uh, negative aspects, the negative impacts on women uh, that have gotten on, into porn? So, uh, I have never worked in the like official porn industry before, like not like with the studio. Um, and more and more girls are working less and less with studios because the advent of the internet has allowed girls to take their production into their own hands. I've had some friends who work with studios who have positive responses, but again, this is low sample size, so I wouldn't necessarily extrapolate. I think to the degree that people are abused and raped in the industry, I think we should probably institute regulations and securities to make sure this doesn't happen. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I think we should make it uh, illegal to rape and abuse people and try to enforce that. Uh, but if somebody voluntarily wants to engage in something, I don't think we should outlaw that. Like I've been a prostitute for years before, and that was freaking great. Um, one of the one of my favorite things I've ever done. Uh, and I think like a, a lot of people are, like would argue that this sort of like having sex with a strange person for money uh, can be really great. I think that you would have to be pretty disconnected from your mind and body in order to think that was great. And I think that most women and girls don't share the feeling that having sex with strangers for money is great. Yeah, I think most don't. But some do. Well, my, my guess nice is for them, then they the, should do it and everybody else should not have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think people should have to escort if they don't want to. Uh, but I do think a lot of people are doing the typical mind fallacy where they like, ah, I, I cannot imagine enjoying having sex with a stranger for money. So I can't, I have to imagine that you are in fact feel the same way I do and you're suppressing it. Well, um, I mean, I've talked to lots and lots of women in prostitution, women who've worked in as high end escorts, women who've worked in the street, women who worked in the downtown east side, women who worked in brothels. And they all said they didn't want to be there. They all have suffered immense physical and emotional trauma. Um, Most of them came from physical and emotional trauma. Most of them came from homes where there was sexual abuse. Um, And it was really a scary, horrific experience for them that is very difficult to get out of. Um, So I think most of the women who are in prostitution and pornography don't actually want to be there. Would you be interested in talking to more women who enjoy it? Um, Not really. I don't know, like, why I would make, why I would form my opinions about an abusive, exploitative industry based on a tiny minority of people who say they like it and who have to say they like it in order to keep their jobs. Um, I mean, you can't really be a successful porn star or like a successful escort if you say, I fucking hate this and I think you guys are disgusting and what you're doing to me makes me feel gross. Well, you can't um, do that in any industry, just to be fair. Not publicly, but I wasn't suggesting you like have them publicly talk about it. I was suggesting you privately talk about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk to anybody about anything for sure. Yeah. And I have. I, I mean, I uh, talk to all sorts of people. So, Ayla, what's, what's yeah. your take on the rarity of your particular position as somebody who has worked as a prostitute and has produced and been very successful as a self pornographer, I guess. And like the particular traits that you have that differentiate you from probably fair to say most women, like 
what's the what's the difference there? What 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 makes you able or different in this respect? Yeah, I think I have like high sociosexuality. I really enjoy casual sex with new people in a way that I think is pretty rare for most women. Um, I yeah, it's just I just get like a lot of pleasure out of it. Um, I also like don't have I like feel pretty fine with people seeing my body. There's a lot of like I don't really have strong disgust reflexes around things. Um, I don't have strong like taboos. I'm just sort of like ah, if this feels good, let's do it. Um, and I think a lot of people have like a lot stronger like uh, like moral sort of oh I shouldn't do this thing um, installed in them or this is b bad for some reason or just feel shameful or they're like in cultures where they get more shame from their like family or friends if they did this, uh, which I am not. I mean, I spent many years being very promiscuous and I've had lots of casual sex and it wasn't necessarily particularly traumatic for me. It's just that as I matured and got older, I realized that that's not, um, what you want. I guess it's not the best way to find the best sex. First of all, I yeah, think that's that true. you have the best sex in long-term relationships, women, I should speak about women. I don't I know that that's true. true for men. Um, and that it wasn't really emotionally satisfying either. Like, I'm not saying that casual sex can't be fun sometimes, but I think to do that perpetually, you have to be sort of seeking intentionally not to connect. Yeah, I think I would actually probably agree with you. Uh, like, the best sex I have is in relationships. Um, and I, I have a lot less casual sex now than I used to. I still like occasionally have because novelty is fun. Sometimes like I'm like have really good sex with a long term partner, and then I'm like, you know what? I could use a new person right now, and there's like a little spice on top of it. Hmm. The variety is nice. Why is uh, the emotional? What's the uh, the impact of the emotional bond and the sexual act for both of you? Like, why does that amplify the pleasure involved in the sex? I think that there's a trust thing and a comfort thing and a getting to know each other's body thing. Um, I think that you have a stronger connection with somebody which makes the sex part more intense. Your relationship is more intimate. Um, I think for me personally, and I think this is probably true of a lot of women, just women that I've talked to, I suppose, um, when you're, yeah, when you're in a relationship with somebody and you trust them and you feel more comfortable with them, it's definitely easier to like let go, which makes it easier to have an orgasm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you also, don't want to feel self-conscious. Sorry, go ahead. Huh. No, I was just agreeing with you. Uh, it, mm. I often found I really liked with my clients, I like trying to like... Like not forcing myself, obviously, but try like seeing if I could like relax into an emotional intimacy with my clients as much as I could. And usually it like didn't work because it's really hard to do that with a totally new partner, but occasionally it worked. And that was really nice. I mean, my problem with pornography is not about casual sex. Yeah, well, I say it's the reason that like, I think it's more suited for me than others. I'm just saying as a person, I think I have higher sociosexuality is one of the reasons that I'm more okay with it. Were, were your clients like puzzles to you or, or yourself watching yourself? You, yourself was a puzzle in relationship to this stranger. Like what, what was interesting about that? What, what engaged you on the next level when it was engaging? Like a little bit of both. I think... Uh, like like some people you get to see a little bit of their soul and sex with them kind of helps that like and that was beautiful like, it, I wouldn't say it's the majority of clients maybe like 10-15% of clients it's like you spend you know an hour with them getting dinner first and and it's like you it's like you you bond in a way that's really unusual and, and it feels really nice to have sex with them after that typically I will say that I don't think that we could ever hear the real truth about your experiences in this industry. Like you can't say that publicly because this is your job and your income. Um, and most of the women that I've talked to who talk about their horrible traumatic experiences are women who've exited prostitution and who've had a lot of time outside of prostitution or pornography to look back. Some of them are still in it. Um, and struggling to get out or having conflicting feelings about the situation. But most of the women that I've talked to who speak really, really honestly about what happened to them and how they felt about the Johns um, are women who've been out of the industry and so are free to speak publicly, but are also better equipped to look back. And 
Megan, um, were these were these women on, truthfully. working in an organization or had a pimp of some sort, or were they working independently? Because Ayla, Ayla, I think is uh, as prostitutes too, because she, she's carved out a place where she was basically, I think, what ninety eighty percent independent. Ayla, like you're no, they weren't working for organizations. I mean, some of them had pimps, and some of them did some work in brothels. A lot of prostitutes kind of move around; like they'll do their own thing. They'll work in this brothel. They'll work in that brothel. Um, one of the women who I spoke with who was a high-end escort, escort was working for herself. She wasn't working for a company. Um, so all different kinds of scenarios. Brothels, it sounds like that's a horrific experience. Definitely working the street is a horrific experience. The high-end escort situation is a horrific experience. <laughs> like I think in general, most women aren't wanting again, to have sex with strange men who don't know anything about them, aren't accountable to them, don't respect them, are there to have their own needs met. Um, I think that's generally a bad situation for women. Yeah, earlier in this conversation, you said that there's no data that could possibly change your mind about this, um, which makes me think it's necessary then, if I report contradicting information, that you like must then interpret it as like not actually being honest. Well, you uh, did a because- TikTok survey. I mean, I don't know who these people are. I don't think that's like an official study. Uh, I would, like a poll uh, on the internet, I don't necessarily think demonstrates uh, the end-all be-all of what you may be is happening in pornography and prostitution. You may, well, I'm not talking about prostitution in my survey, uh, but you, you may be disappointed at the quality of research in academia then if um, if you think my survey is not very uh, rigorous. Fair, fair point, fair point. Not that academia <laughs> I mean, uh, what is it that we're trying to prove? Uh, that prostitution is good? That pornography is good? That women like having sex with strange men for money? Um, there's That this is uh, good for society? How would we know I, that? I, 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 I feel like I like make a point and then you like say a slightly different thing in response to a different point. Well, yeah, because it's I not the con- that's not the conversation. Okay, I okay, be well, let's 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 talk about so, your dad. I want to talk about what's happening in real life and how this is impacting real women's lives. Okay, well, so one question or one one mode of inquiry is what is the damage that pornography and prostitution has done to individual women or you know prostitutes and then to society? That that's that's one question. And then another question would be about pornography. So if we wanted to find the terms of what we mean by good or bad and why sex of all things evokes such moral indignation um, and uh, tense emotions, no matter who you are, why why we are so emotional about this thing. I'm sure you guys both have something to add. I think that a lot of women feel upset and disturbed by pornography and don't like that their partners are watching it and consider it a form of betrayal and are also disturbed to find out what their partners are watching. Um, I think personally in a relationship, it's inappropriate to be engaging in sex acts with other people. Um, And I think it's fair that a woman would feel disturbed if she discovered that her partner was watching pornography that was meant to depict adult men having sex with teenage girls. Why would that be disturbing, though? I think that it would make them concerned that their partner actually wants to have sex with teenage girls. Are you saying you would feel concerned? Or I would definitely would feel concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Maybe a lot of women feel concerned. That. Well, I've talked to a lot of women about this, and they all say that oh, they I've would done, feel concerned. I'm a sex researcher, so... I don't know. I feel like... like <laughs> well, uh, uh, like, like, there's not really a point in this discussion. Like, like you said, no data no, would change your mind. Not. Uh, there's definitely data that would change my mind. Uh, there's like definitely studies that would hit like certain things that would make me. Maybe like, you're oh, never going to say anything negative about this industry because it's where you make your money. Would it update you if I did say something negative? Like, you could ask me. Are there any negative things? About I think the industry? I, once you're out of the industry and there's zero incentive no, for you to say positive question. things like, about the industry, then I would trust your opinion. Well, and I would believe that you were being completely honest. So this I is, feel like if we talk to you in 10 or 15 years, maybe you would say something. Sure, different. that's not what I fucking asked. I asked, do you think, would you predict <laughs> now, if, I, if you asked me, do you have anything negative to say about the industry? Like, would I have any responses for you? 
Um, I mean, sure. Tell me what negative things you have to say about the industry. Right, because because you predicted that I wouldn't say anything negative, but there are negative things no, to say. It's not all butterflies. Point. I have right, but like you weren't responding to my questions. Like I'm like trying to have a conversation here, and you're just like constantly acting like I didn't say a thing or responding to a thing I didn't say, and I'm like what the fuck like i'm not i'm like down to like actually try to figure out what's true i'm down to have my mind changed if you can present me like good evidence i'm like down to like update i mean probably gonna update a little bit maybe not a lot but like i don't i don't know like the style of conversation that's happening is like i don't even know i'm here like there are bad things about the industry to return to the concrete point like i have had been assaulted as a sex worker that wasn't great uh, and I think like there were changes that I would make if that would happen is absolutely a risk of the job. Um, or like the stigma, like lots of people are like, oh, I'm not going to date you now because you're a sex worker. That, that fucking sucks. There's definitely not good things about it. It's not butterf- butterflies and rainbows. Mm-hmm. What, what, just to be concrete, what would um, diminish the likelihood of you being put in a situation where you're assaulted and can you actually be in a safe space when you're alone with a stranger in a room like how how does one figure out how to orchestrate such a work environment uh as an escort you do screening the one time i was assaulted was a time where i accidentally didn't do screening it was like a, co- a confusion with me and my assistant where like I, we both thought that like the other person had screened it but we hadn't and marked it as yet there's something like that so like they slipped through my screening process what was screening um, is this like a fbi background check or something something like that you, you check a, a database full of a bunch of other escorts who are reporting about dangerous men and also you ask them for two references from other women who have seen him and reported that yes, that he was a good client. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Just theoretically speaking, how would somebody become a good client if they didn't have two references? Like the the millennial job market, how do you get in that if if you don't have Yeah, references? so you have to find a girl who has an option where you can do it without like if you're a first timer, which I did. I had you can have lunch with me beforehand. Um, we have lunch, oh, you, we do it for like an hour, you pay me, and we go home, and then afterwards I decide if I think I'm comfortable seeing you, and then I'll see you again. And how do you get a read on somebody as being trustworthy or not trustworthy when you know that the sex is going to happen after that lunch or dinner or something? Uh, you can, I don't know, you can kind of tell. I, I, I don't have like a, it, the, the people who I didn't like in bed were the people I didn't like when I talked to them, almost almost universally. Is you can they just like aren't fully paying attention to you, uh, kind of aren't caring about what you're saying that sort of thing. Hmm. And Megan, does does prostitution prostitution cheapen sex for women who aren't prostitutes? If if a man can go out and have a cheapen, yeah. Does it does how does it impact women who aren't prostitutes that prostitutes exist and that men will go and seek sex with prostitutes for money and you know, how does that cheapen sex? How does, how does that spill out into society? So I'm trying to get the conversation to what are the negative impacts to society as a whole? If we just take out of the equation, the abuse that happens and the poor screening and the, the poor, um, you know, industry standards that are going on in this. I mean, I wouldn't say that it cheapened sex. I think that the problem in this conversation is that my issues with prostitution and pornography are primarily ethical. So when you say data won't change your mind, I mean, data won't change my mind because fundamentally I think that it's unethical to pay another person for sex. Why? And so I think we're constantly going to be talking past one another. Well, but why? Because there's an aspect of coercion in it, right? So if somebody needs the money... If they're taking money from you, it's because they don't want to have sex with you. And I think that it's creepy and unethical to have sex with somebody who doesn't want to have sex with you, who wouldn't do it for free. How is you're only sex doing different it because than, you're getting paid. How is that different than mowing a lawn? This is just an academic question. How is sex, being paid for sex, different than being paid to build a house or mow a lawn? Or dig well, a trench? I think that we all know that sex is more intimate than mowing the lawn because if somebody else mowed your lawn, you wouldn't feel traumatized by it. Like there's a reason why women are traumatized by rape and not by somebody stealing a cup of coffee from them. It's much more intimate and you're much more vulnerable. 
And Ayla, how does the money aspect of prostitution interact with your relationship to sex? How does the sexual intimacy mitigated through a commercial transaction uh, increase or decrease the value of sex or whatever sex means? Uh, As opposed to any other service that you could do. It's ruins with us charging a lot, which helps. I think I, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot less if I'd been charging less money. Um, <clears throat> but uh, to some extent, it made me enjoy it more when I was getting paid a lot because I was like, ah, uh, I feel like really valuable as a sexual being. Like, venerable to pay for got like thousands of dollars. That uh, makes me feel really like hot and sexy. And that's really, really nice. I just don't think of myself as a valuable sexual being. I think I want to have sex with people and they want to have sex with me and we have a relationship. We're attracted to each other. We get along. I don't like to think of myself as like a, a commodity or something that somebody would buy. That's not attractive to me. But yeah, if that's, that's fine. Megan, if do you ever get in a situation where you know that you're valuable as a sexual being and you kind of want your man to perform? I don't think of things that way. Okay, I mean, I think saying, of me saying, men are attracted to me, but that doesn't yeah. mean I think I'm a valuable sexual but commodity. The, the way no, that they I've express never thought of myself that way. The way that they express their value, or your value, the way that they express how much they value you through buying you a car, uh, paying your rent, or doing something I, monetary. No Does man that ever pays my rent buys or buys flowers? me a car. Is there, is there any other kind of transaction? A man doesn't buy me flowers them. because he thinks oh. I'm sexually valuable. Wasn't that an expression of how valuable you are to him? And sex is one. I think he's showing me that he loves me. Okay. So sex is inextricably tied to intimacy and love for you. And Ayla, it seems like sex is, you said so, so sexual. There, there was a term that you threw in there. So, Not so sexually. really, because yes. I've also isn't... had casual sex that's fun too. And I wasn't in love with that person. But I wouldn't want them to pay me. Okay. But Ayla, you're able to exist as a sexual being in, in a commercial way and then in an intimate way. And is there any contradiction between uh, being intimate with somebody for money and being intimate with somebody for other reasons, whatever those other reasons are? What is the difference and does it bleed over? Does that cheapen sex? Does check sex change? No, I don't think so. Um, it's kind of like, uh, like context is super powerful and like the context shift just is enough to do it. Like, I don't think, I think, honestly, I think my sex life has like, like there's been some downsides and upsides in my personal sex life as an impact of sex work. Like I'm much more demanding now. Now I, before I did sex work, I was like, uh, um, whatever you say, dude, like, I'm trying to make you happy. I'm trying to be like the sexual object that like pleases you and makes you like me. And then after I did sex work and then I was like having sex for free with a partner, I was like, you know what, if I'm doing this for free, I'm going to like it. And I became like really demanding. I was like, I'm going to have an orgasm. I'm going to not, I'm not going to do that position because it hurts. Uh, and that has been good, but it's also like limited my romantic options. Cause like now I'm like really, really selfish in sex. So I'm like, I won't compromise. So I, I can only uh, like have good sexual relationships with partners who are like actually deeply compatible with me. I mean, that kind of just comes with maturity. I think a lot of very young women think about pleasing men and being sexual objects. And hopefully mm -hmm. once you get older, you start being more selfish about your sexual needs and less interested in performing. Yes, it's possible that this this happens naturally for a lot of people. Uh, for me, it was a pretty fast shift right after I started escorting. I was just like this, and then I escorted, and then my partner, I was like, fuck it, I'm done. Uh, so for me, that personally, that was triggered by sex work. Hmm. Personal question, since we're talking about sex, what about family? What What's the relationship between sex and baby making? Because you're both women, uh, probably with that capacity. How does that square... Like, how does sex, the meaning, the value of sex change in relationship to starting a family, having kids? And what's the calculus that you guys have done uh, thinking through that? I mean, I've never wanted to have kids, so it doesn't factor in for me. I'm not interested in babies and never have been. <laughs> you have your dog, I guess. Uh, I like sex. Uh, I'd also, if I want to have children, I think I'd like to do it through, like, like embryo selection and IVF and stuff though. Oh. So I'm probably never going to have the experience of, you know, getting a baby pumped into me. 
Right. So you're both on the same side of the liberated woman, the the non uh, the non mother, non trad wife. You guys both aren't trad wives. That's something that you share. No. <laughs> Definitely not a trad wife. Okay. We got that done. But it's not because I'm against babies. I mean, I think that motherhood and having children is extremely important to most women. I just mm -hmm. am not interested and in, I enjoy my life and my freedom and I have other priorities. Yeah, I'm just I'm yeah. just sure that that the entire conversation would be different if somebody was thinking in terms of family planning. And without that, sex has a different value. Outside of the family, sex has a different value. Probably. I'm confused by the children thing. Cuz I'm like you just you just have sex once to make a baby. It's like once out of a billion times. I mean, it's like one of the sexes creates a child. <laughs> Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But, um, uh, can, uh, well, uh, to what extent we're going to have a society filled with babies that just are from polycules or something like usually traditionally or historically, most children were raised up in more or less stable, uh, partnerships, more or less monogamous homes. So the sexual d negotiation that the women and the men went through because they knew that a baby and a family would be produced through that sex changes the calculus. And when we're in this, you know, uh, this current era where uh, the uh, fertility can be uh, negotiated through chemical means, then the topic and the act of sex has a different meaning. Divorce from the family because there's no consequences. If, if you can have sex a thousand times without zero consequences the you know, sex is inherently different in value than if consequences such as a child is a result and then raising a good kid yeah. and being uh you know having a kid come out of your body and then like being stuck to your body for a while and then being responsible for that it just changes sex i, I don't see how they can be completely divorced from one another birth control is how they're divorced from one another <laughs> I, don't, I don't i think like megan and i are probably on the same page here where we're both like trying not to have children or something well yeah no i am trying not to have children but i don't use hormonal birth control because it's bad for women and decreases your libido um which seems opposite of <laughs> the point <laughs> to have like sex freely without having to worry about getting pregnant um, but I do think that for most women, I think most women are probably going to want to have babies and start a family, in which case they would see sex as more sacred in a way. Um, I don't know if sacred is the right word. It's not necessarily the word I would use, but um, it definitely takes a particular level of commitment. But at the same time, I mean, I am not uncommitted in relationships. Like I've had casual sex. And I've also been in lots and lots of long-term monogamous relationships. Um, and for me, the commitment level is the same regardless of babies. Although I understand that for people who have babies, that would seem sort of like a, a silly statement because for them, the commitment really is for life or hopefully. <laughs> Data. So Ayla, you refuse to do uh, your own YouTube channel, but where can people find you? What What are you working on? Where's all your research? Because you're a sex researcher. Are you working on a book? Do you have something going on like in that direction? I might. I, I talked to some publisher. I, I've decided to go the path to publish all my research on my blog and then move it into a, a book with like probably some additional stuff at some point in the future. But my blog is Ayla.substack.com, uh, A-E-L-L-A. Um, and you can look at my most recent post, women prefer more violent porn. And this is heavily research and data-based, what you're producing. Yeah, most of my posts are uh, like just like very number heavy. Like this is the percentages that reported this. And as far as like some sort of aesthetic or artistic uh, pursuit that you put out there, is there anything there you want to highlight? Uh I like to think of some of my Twitter polls as art. I have a Twitter, Ayla underscore girl. If you don't include the underscore, then you're going to get my porn. So probably okay. choose, choose your cool. adventure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one without the underscore has, um, I l tweet all my stuff. Also, my website is knowingless.com and that links to everything hmm. that I have on the internet. 
And Megan, where are you at now? You're the same drugs on YouTube. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter. And you're on Twitter again. Megan E. Murphy. You have to actually type almost Thanks every single God, letter for Elon it to Elon Musk and Joe yeah. Rogan. Um, it's uh, Megan E. Murphy on Twitter. And then my podcast is The Same Drugs, and I'm on Substack. Oh, you're on Substack, too. Uh, Feminist Current is now uh, just kind of floating in the other. No, it still exists. Yeah. I'm just more focused on other things, but I'm still doing the Feminist Current podcast. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you both. Let's wrap up the stream. I'm going to end the broadcast, and I'm really sorry for everybody involved that this was such a clunky start, but thank you both for showing up. It was an excellent and thrilling Yeah, discussion. really fun. Good times.